The Planet Sport Rugby Podcast. Hello, Liam Flint here and welcome to the Planet Sport Rugby Podcast. Now, if you're tuning in for the first time, we're all about African rugby as we get to know the faces behind the continent's fastest growing sport. Now, we're up to episode 10 and on today's show, we're focusing on Nigeria rugby. Really pleased to say that I'm joined by Black Stallions captain Aziz Ladipo. Welcome, Aziz. It's great to have you on the podcast. It's a pleasure, Liam. Thanks for having me. So Aziz, you are captain of Nigeria Rugby. We'll be talking a lot about that, how you enjoyed the leadership of leading your country. And we'll also talk about how Nigeria is going to put itself on the world map and affect change across Africa. We'll get to know a bit about you as well as a person. And we'll also have listener questions later on. So lots to get through. Lots of people will be interested to know. A guy like you in Lagos, Nigeria, how did you manage to find rugby and not go where everyone else seems to go, which is down the football route. Explain that to us. <laughs> uh, well, um, I would say rugby found me, to be honest, because um, I was playing football like every Nigerian boy would, would do. I was, uh, I was about 13. And uh, in my neighborhood, uh, once, once we're back from school, we go, we go into a crescent to play football. I got there one day and found my friends uh, playing rugby. Apparently, a much older dude around the neighborhood had brought a, a rugby ball and he was uh, coaching them. I didn't get involved with it. It was a shock to me. It's, I'd, I'd only watched it on TV yeah. prior to that. So uh, my friends got involved in it. And then in the second week, joined in and uh, they allowed me to come in. And then about two weeks after, we were taken down to University of Lagos, uh, where we met a certain British guy called Martin Crawford. And uh, Martin Crawford uh, taught, taught us all we needed to know to know about the game. And um, ever since then, it's been uh, I haven't looked back. It's been uh, rugby all the way. And then when I was about 16, I was taken to to the Safari Sevens in Kenya just to watch what was going on and what the tournament was about. Then we had the likes of was it Dylan Hermitage? Yeah, Dylan playing Hermitage, for London yeah. Irish. Yeah, yeah. I was it was just a young star in, in London Irish then and. I saw like a, a whole new level of rugby in Safari Sevens, and Martin Crawford himself was, you know, really getting old at the time. And then he pulled his hamstring, and he was the only flyer on the squad. And I was like his prodigy, but I was just taken there to watch, <laughs> not to play, because I was too young. But then they had to pull me on from the first game I played all the games. Wow! Yeah, absolutely. I was <laughs> I was thrown into the into the fray at a very young age, and. Uh, and I got an hospital pass from one of my teammates. <laughs> and that tackle was so, so hard on me. It just took me off the ground and landed on me. And the whole stadium went raw. <laughs> and I think that was the that was the baptism for me, to be honest. You did get up. Yeah, I got up, shook it off and continued playing. And people clapped for me. And, you know, that was that was it. When you went to the Safari Sevens and you had your first real experience there, were those guys your role models or growing up? Did you have other guys in the world game that you thought, do you know what, 10 years time, I want to be like this guy or I'm going to copy this guy? My role models were just the guys back home, the local guys back home. Mm. I didn't really have uh, anyone that I looked up to uh, out there. Most of my local heroes were Yinka Marino, uh, Martin Crawford and some other guys that you know I used to watch on a regular basis in training sure. and at local tournaments. So mm. I still have a particular... Um, role model that I looked up to, but I can tell you about that later on. <laughs> okay, teasing us. He's going to save it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't give it all away straight away. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, because it's true, isn't it? Nigeria as a nation, it's all about football, really. Um, obviously, you've produced a lot of world-class players. They made it to the World Cup, Super Eagles in Russia. 
Uh, Nation must be really proud of that, though, right? Absolutely. You know, our, our football evolution uh, began a long time ago. Um, I'm talking of the 60s, 70s. We had the likes of Tonda Balogun who went ahead to Liverpool to play, you know. But then it, it became a reality, you know, when a certain uh, Dutch guy, Clement Westerhoff, came to Nigeria and uh, he was able to have, like, free access to operate his... Uh, uh, in the, with the national team, mm. he could uh, he didn't have any interference. So for the first time, we had a coach that could choose freely what he wanted. You know, he could implement whatever he wanted. He, he had the, the goal, you know, from the from the presidency at the time, and he was able to implement the four four two flat formation. And you know, he, he got <clears throat> he got a bunch of ex- extraordinary talent together. 1991, thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. I was still young then, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I read about it. I read about it. So, um, so by 1994, Nigeria dominated Africa, and I went to the World Cup. Um, it's not a surprise as we we are mostly natural footballers in Nigeria. You know, you know, growing up as a boy, uh, you get gifted a football uh, even before you could barely walk. And uh, once it's your first birthday, you know, we start kicking the ball all over the house and disturbing the family. Yeah. <laughs> so naturally, you know, when it's a goal, you know, as a kid, you start shouting, go, go, you know. So um, that's why we're so crazy about football, you know. Yeah. Um, but that squad actually included the likes of uh, JJ Okocha, Kano Wankwo, Sunday Olise, and those guys, you know, mm. we looked up to them, Taribo West. Uh, but now Mikel Obi is presently leading the pack at the moment and... Nigerians are proud of them, and this is what rugby wants to emulate. Yeah, I myself played football you know, until I met rugby. Yeah, I even represented my my city, you know, uh, under 14 level. So <laughs> even whilst I was playing rugby, I was playing football you as were well. Still playing football. And I thought my my footballing skills helped me a lot in rugby because I could do the kicking and do some of some of the other things. Yeah, yeah, of course, it's they're really transferable skills. But for a guy like you mm-hmm. now, when you're trying to kind of pioneer rugby, get people interested get some more support does the fact that everybody loves football and football dominates everything does that make it hard for you to get people passionate about it or do you think rugby's now growing enough in nigeria that it does it on its own uh, well i think uh, you're correct uh, trying to change people's um, trying to make people understand that rugby is actually uh, a sport for nigeria was initially tough but um, we've been able to get a number of uh, parents to accept it, you know, uh, right from school's level. Uh, we made them understand that, um, particularly, I believe that uh, some of the qualities that we lack in the Nigerian society today are embedded in rugby. It's, um, uh, you know, when, when you're growing up in rugby, you get they teach you how to uh, be disciplined, how to respect people, how to uh, uh, embrace teamwork. Mm. Uh, integrity and you know the ethos of rugby the qualities of rugby are what is needed in the everyday life of Nigerians because uh, you know if we're able to imbibe all these you know uh, qualities then we'll, we'll start producing better people so those are the things that we're telling parents out here that you know this is what rugby gives to your kid it gives it gives them self-confidence and and for the elites who have kids in school that are definitely going to school abroad for their in for their tertiary studies yeah we 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 encourage them to uh to allow their kids play rugby because that is one of the ways that their their awards their children can can use to settle 
settle into the system over there because when they get to school and they get joined the rugby team, you know, they blend into the system and then settle in easily, much more easily with, with friends already there in the rugby team. So, um, so um, I, I can say that, yeah, football is the, the colors of footballing nation, even though we've never won the World Cup. But, uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, but uh, I think that uh, rugby is, uh, we're naturally fit for mm. rugby. It suits us. It suits our temperament. It suits our idiosyncrasies. In every English team, you find Nigerians there at yeah. every point in time, sevens and fifteens. So we have the pace, we have the power, we have the temperament for rugby. I think all we just need to do is to make sure that uh, this uh, national plan that adds rugby to the curriculum of the physical education and everybody can pick it up from there and know what it's about even before they they they, they, they get they, they see the ball even before they handle the ball they already have read about it in physical education i think that's that's where we we are where we're heading now yeah, that's a really good point you make about Nigerian players, like you said, popping up in England, now playing elsewhere. Think about it, if Nigeria rugby was more advanced, the players that you guys as a nation would have on your roster, you'd have a really good team, wouldn't you? It's just that at the moment, there's no system. So they, they basically had to go on and, and play for other nations. Yeah, it is. It is, absolutely. So that's why I said um, all, all we need to do is just get the, the system in place, get the structure in place. And that's why... Uh, because for, for a very long time, our rugby was in formative stages, formative stages. Uh, we're trying to grow, we're trying to grow. And, you know, we never really had the direction. But for now, I think we, we, uh, we've we started to do well administratively. Mm. Uh, we have a, a, a president, a, a rugby union president, NRFF, who's, uh, who's set up a, an administrative office for rugby to run better, you know, and... Um, Every other thing is following. We are now in the silver cup as opposed to the bronze cup that yep. we were in before. And, um, you know, a lot of things will follow. And, and our girls are back. They played at the Las Vegas Sevens uh, after 10 years. So things are starting to, you know, come back to life. And uh, we're looking forward to even having our under-19s uh, playing tournaments from next year. So I think that um, uh, once we have the best players that, Nigeria has to offer playing for Nigeria. I think we'll take our rightful place amongst the rugby playing nation. Yeah, what's it like being captain of the the Nigeria rugby team, being the main man of the Black Stallions? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I don't think I'm the main man. I just think I, I think leadership roles and responsibilities are, are shared amongst players. And um, uh, you know, the captain. Although I, I agree with you that, that the captain remains central to the, to the team's performance, uh, not only must I be competent in the, my role? Um, I also need to inspire confidence in the players, in my players, and uh, evaluate game plans, you know, change it if uh, the circumstances dictate, uh, handle pressure very well, you know, sometimes make tactical decisions, you know, communicate effectively with a referee. That's very important. Yeah, true. <laughs> because I can't have all my players talking to the ref and all. So in terms of uh, setting example, I would, I would say that I'm not perfect, but I try to set a standard, you know. Mm. Um, each captain is different, and I've played under several captains, and I know that, you know, I'm different from them. They handle things differently, and I handle things differently. But I just think that uh, one of the qualities I can say that I have is uh, mental toughness. Mm. I think I'm tough mentally. And I know my players. I, you know, I call them, we hang out. 
you know, even when it's not rugby time. And then, you know, I try to tell them to be self-confident. You know, I think once a captain can concentrate on all those things, I think you'll be able to, you know, uh, get the best out of your guys. And the, the whole idea is to win games. I know Aziz, not long ago, a couple of the, the Stormers players came over, didn't they, uh, to Lagos to do a bit of coaching, inspire, get amongst the community. How great was that for the, the local area, for the young kids and for you as well? Yeah, it was it was a was a fantastic one. Uh, I, th- I thought the the DHL in conjunction with Stormers did did great with that uh, by bringing on uh, Sia Sia and Skara. Uh, Sia is now the the captain of uh, the Springboks, yeah. <laughs> the first black man to do so. So um, we're happy then. At the time, he wasn't captain and he was just uh, recovering from an injury. Yeah, and together with Skara, and they came to Lagos. Uh, they, they visited my team. Uh, they came to my my training ground, my club's training ground, and we uh, we hosted them, coaching clinic uh, with kids around. You know, it was it was really lovely, and uh, um, they brought wealth of experience, passed it on to the guys, um, played around, and they went around Lagos. They enjoyed themselves. Uh, you know, Lagos is a very you know, nice city, multifaceted, multi metropolitan city. Yeah, and you know, they they, they enjoyed themselves. They, they were I think uh, John De Villiers is coming this time around in, uh, in uh, September. Yeah, That'd be amazing. I'm assuming you pinned them down and you had a little chat with them. What kind of things were you talking to them about? Were you just getting advice? Were you talking about things outside of rugby? We didn't get the chance to hang out a lot because uh, uh, there, was, there was so much uh, going on with, in terms of the media and the, the, the hype was very much. But, you know, the little time we spent together, we were able to... Uh, to uh, to chat about rugby, mainly yeah. rugby, and then a few things about themselves. Um, the guys had a one-on-one chat with them. You know, it was it was an open open uh, party that we had, and it was it was really good. And I think in quite a recent interview, you spoke about the African rugby game, but also where you think Nigeria can get to, and you reckon that potentially Nigeria could become second best on the continent, obviously behind South Africa. And what makes you yeah. so confident, Aziz, that you can achieve that and you can achieve that while you're leading from the front and you're captain. Yeah, well, I think um, we have about roughly 3 million Nigerians living in the UK and uh, yeah. and all over the world. Nigerians are everywhere. Nigerians, you find <laughs> Nigerians on the South African, in the South African um, super rugby. You mm. have the guys of like Luta Obi in there. You have uh, another eight man for the the Lions, yeah, you know, is a Nigerian. We have um, Nigerians all over the UK. You know, if you bring out the the roster, you see, you know, endless names in the, the mm. professional players. Yeah. You have Simon Luzokwe. You have you have guys like Mario Toji already playing for England. So you have Nigerians all over the place. And and once we're able to get our, our acts together and um, organize ourselves, it may be during my playing years. It may be when I'm retired, but I just know that one day, one day it's going to be tough because you have Namibia, they are improving every day. Yeah, true. But one day with the array of talents that we have all over the world, we have a Nigerian doing very well in Portugal now. His name is Tangod Okafo. We have Nigerians playing in Spain. You know, the Nigerian once played for Portugal, uh, for, for Canada. So if we can get all these guys to play for their country and that that requires a lot of funding yeah and it requires a lot of organization so if you're able to do that so 
are you telling me? Let me ask you now. Do you think Nigeria won't be next to South Africa? Well, that's <laughs> it's, I think it's it's a big statement, especially when you got likes of Namibia's. Um, Absolutely, Kenya. I know Namibia. Kenya there. are in a, a tricky spot right now, but they're full of talent. Uganda's, but yeah, I think based on what you're saying alone, with the overseas players that you think later on Nigeria could call upon, you know, you're obviously developing Absolutely. really good players. So why Absolutely. not? You know. Respect to Kenya, respect to Namibia, respect to Zimbabwe. They've done a lot, especially developing the game from home, which is the toughest, the toughest part of the job. But, you know, um, you can't rule out Nigeria when it comes to this because we've also equally got the guys to, to deliver on the pitch. And I think that once we're able to do what we have to do in terms of uh, administratively, yeah. I think we will be competing up there, especially when we go to the Gold Cup. And I think it's not... Um, it's, it's only a matter of time and I don't think we're far off anymore we're now in the silver and hopefully when we get to gold we'll see how it goes yeah that's I was just about to ask you that is that pretty much your main focus of saying that's how we're going to measure whether we can achieve that is basically go and smash the silver cup get into the gold cup and then mix it with the big boys absolutely that's absolutely. it that's you, the game plan you, that's, that's put on you're correct yeah so the main focus now is to we're hosting it so yeah. um Hopefully, hopefully we'll win it. We're, we're training hard. We're, we're, we're getting putting resources together, and we're hoping that um, you know we'll be playing in the gold very soon. Um, very, very big respect to Madagascar and Botswana. They've been there. They've done that. Uh, we haven't, but uh, we're we're very hopeful, and our, our our dreams are very high. Is it fun when you get to travel around Aziz for these major competitions? Go to different African countries play away from home is it always fun to be on tour yeah absolutely i mean you know um the more you travel the more you broaden your horizon so it's not just about the work be you know when you travel you see you get to see different cultures you get to, to meet different people and um although sometimes it's not fun when the altitude is too high and you haven't trained that, that much <laughs> for, for that altitude do you have a, a preference between 15s and 7s the fact that I play both uh, makes it harder for me to, uh, to choose. To I choose. like sevens. I like sevens. I like sevens because it's uh, it's easier to invite to a sevens game, especially Nigerians that are not very keen about rugby. And yeah. when you invite them to the sevens game, they they love it once, and they start asking you when is the next game. And well, if you invite them to the fifteens, they barely know what's going on, and you know they're not very keen to come back. Well, the sevens, you know, uh, I must give kudos to World Rugby for, you know, picking up, picking sevens for the Olympics. You know, that was, that was like the, the, the right thing to do. Because yeah. people can, a, a non-rugby person can come to a sevens tournament, maybe not for the rugby, but for the entertainment around it. The, uh, the costume, competition, the, 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 the music, the drink, you know, the party. Yeah, people just, love uh, it. Some, yeah, they love it. So I think sevens is has sort of changed the way people see rugby. Look at the HSBC series, look at the crowd, you know, and then you can also say that 15s is actually uh, not gaining as much followership as sevens at the moment. Yeah. In terms of, you know, if you if you watch the Super Rugby sometimes, the stadiums are half filled. But if you watch the HSBC, it's always filled Always up. full. Yeah. That's why it's quick and it's it's over before you know it. It's, Absolutely. It doesn't take as much people, time. People understand what's going on. What do you get more excited about? Do you get more excited about the prospect of Gold Cup, 15s, long-term World Cup, that kind of thing? Or do you think 7s Olympics, does that get you more excited as a, as a rugby player right now? 
I think I think both both gets me excited, and I think that uh, they are both promoting the game in the right direction. It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? If you think the World Cup sevens, if you could get South Africa, Zim, Uganda, Kenya, Nigeria, just flood it with African teams. <laughs> no, 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 come on. That, that wouldn't be like a competition, man. Come on. Um, you, you just need everybody from every other part of the world. You need Japan, you need the Papua New Guinea, you need the Fijians, New Zealanders, you need the Americans. Yeah, that's true. So, Aziz, what would you say is the biggest obstacle facing Nigerian rugby right now to achieve those goals you're talking about? Gold Cup, Olympic Games in sevens at some point. Do you think it's down to funding? Is it people's love for the game? Is it lack of coaching? Is there a single need that you can think that's where we really need some help? Or is it a mixture? Funding. Funding is the major one. Uh, because if you're going to get these guys out of their teams... To come and play for Nigeria, you need to, you know, you need to really, really be serious with uh, their um, flight tickets. You need to be serious about their hotel. You need to be serious about their camping, the coaching, you know, uh, the kids. You need to be serious about the allowances, you know, the player pay and the rest. So th- that's the major problem we have here. So funding is the biggest problem. Um, another problem is uh, the capacity uh building capacity right here in Nigeria. That is uh, making sure that you coach the coaches, you know, you know, extend their knowledge and practical skills, you know, um, also have a system whereby, you know, players technical, tactical, physical, nutritional and mental balance, life balance can be, can be sorted, you know, Mm. Uh, that's the right preparation for players. Um, That's another thing. The third thing would be getting the game into all the schools, most schools, yeah. so that they can embrace it from childhood. And then and that's that's the foundation. You know, you can't plant oranges on trees. You have to just plant the tree and let the oranges come out. So I think um, those are the things that Nigeria rugby needs to do. And uh, I think uh, plans are in motion. Things are things are moving on. Um, uh, but uh, we need we need um, we need the capacity alignment cooperation yeah from from the bigger unions you know who can donate things we need kits we need balls we need lots of balls we need get into rugby materials we need whistles we need you know there's a lot of things needed here we're yeah. we're, 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 we're a population of over 200 million 180 200 million so we're it's not a joke if rugby blows in nigeria will become will become the giant <laughs> you know <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. it's uh, the, the population is enormous, mm. and if you look at the the struggle to get balls to every state in Nigeria, to get coaches trained, to get them down, put them in hotel, the logistics, you know, it's it's massive. You know, you know, we just witnessed the Nigerian elections when it took them weeks to start announcing the results, <laughs> almost a week. The you know? yeah. yeah, the logistical challenge is real. It's real, to be honest. Mm. It's real. In Lagos, for example, you have about 20 million people living in Lagos. And Lagos is the smallest state yeah, in Nigeria. It's huge, yeah. In terms that's of size. It's a huge number, yeah. Yeah, that's a huge number, yeah. So if you can get quarter, one quarter of the schools in Lagos playing rugby, then you you have you build more 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 players than some other countries mm. in the future. Yeah, that'd be really exciting. While we're on this topic, I'm gonna to bring in uh, Musa, who got in touch with yeah. us uh, here yeah, in the sorry. UK. It's more of a statement than a question, but it's on this point. Um, and he said, 
directed to you. As Nigeria Rugby, we need technical support, but we don't know how to access it or even if there is any. So that Someone was, said that. Yeah, that was Musa um, over here in the UK got in touch and that was his, his comment to, to put to you. Well, well, I agree. I agree with that. We need technical support. Um, in terms of what I've been explaining, I said that basically we need um, the uh, capacity building um, mechanism to come in to rugby. Uh, and those are the things that he's just mentioned, technical support. It goes hand in hand. That's why New Zealand and England and the rest are, are on tops because they, they take this thing seriously, right from schoolboy rugby. Yeah, while we're on listener questions, let's finish with uh, one more. So Jacob, who's actually in Nigeria, um, has got in touch with us. Um, and he wants to know, Aziz, what do you need to do personally to improve yourself as a player? What are you working on in your own game? I've been working on my um, strength and conditioning, working out in the gym. I use CrossFit. I use CrossFit a lot. In my own game on the pitch, I am working presently on my kicking. Because uh, last season, I wasn't so happy about uh, a few missed, missed kicks that I had. So I've been working on that. And um, I don't know. I think the kicking is just the part that I, I've really been working on. Uh, goal kicking, precisely. Yeah. Goal kicking and drop kicks. Yeah, because you're on kicking duty, aren't you? So it's kind of important that, absolutely, you're, absolutely, <laughs> that yeah, you're on absolutely. top of your game. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. The younger ones are coming up fast and they're kicking everything in. So I just need to uh, improve on that. Yeah, they're putting you under pressure. Guys, thank you for those questions. Musa, Jacob, we had many more. Um, thank you for getting your questions in for Aziz. Aziz, that's us. Thank you for sharing everything with us today. Oh, yeah, before we go, yeah. who are you tipping for the the World Cup in Japan? Who are you backing? Uh, well, uh, before that, can I just tell you about my role model? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Of course, yeah, yeah the mystery yeah, role model. How could we forget? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I kept it for the last. <laughs> yeah, of course. You yeah. set yourself up now. Well, well, it has to be uh, some, someone I've been looking up to as a child. Uh, Johnny Wilkinson kicked that goal. Yeah. That drop goal that won in the World Cup. So it has to be him, to be honest, because uh, he, uh, he's got a lot of points in his playing years. You know, his capacity to work hard, his commitment, to especially to defensive uh, duties. Uh, I'm quite serious when it comes to defense. Uh, I, I don't wait for the forwards to go in there. I go in there myself and do the <laughs> tackles. So, so I think I think Johnny Wilkinson has to be the you know because he's he's, he's an extraordinary international. He had an extraordinary international playing career, and um, he has to be one of the all-time greats, to be honest. Yeah. And uh, I think only Dan Carter has got more. You've got a lot to live <laughs> up to there. No pressure whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. understandable. Yeah, he's got and then for, for the World Cup, I think New Zealand are putting themselves in another pole position to win it again. I have a natural likeness for England. But okay. I can't leave out South Africa because South Africa is Africa. And uh, so I'll be rooting for both England and South Africa. Do you think Namibia will have any chance of getting out of their group? Uh, well, I think uh, except they've they really do something different. Uh, I'll, I'll be behind Namibia whenever they're playing as well. I'll be behind them because uh, they're Africa. So uh, South Africa, Namibia, and then England. And one day it'll be Nigeria. <laughs> Come on. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> one day Nigeria playing the World Cup. That would be like the biggest dream. That would be amazing. Well, you saved yeah. it till last. Well done for reminding me. Almost forgot there. We'd have never have known who your role model was. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, Aziz, mm -hmm. it's been really good fun. Thank you very much for joining us today. 
Yeah, you're welcome. And, I'm and very, uh, yeah, it's a pleasure. We'll keep in. We'll keep in touch. Keep tabs on you guys as you work your way up into the Gold Cup. Thank you so much. Yeah. The Planet Sport Rugby Podcast. Okay, that's us for this week's podcast. A massive thanks again to Aziz Ladipo. Do remember, you can keep up to date with everything we're doing here at the Planet Sport Rugby Podcast. If you're a fan of social media, all you need to do is jump on. We're covering Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our handle is PS Rugby Podcast, and we've got you covered on whichever platform you prefer. You can also join our WhatsApp community. Now, this is a great way, not only for you to stay in touch with us, but you can also send in your questions that we can then put to the athletes on the program, and then you can get your answer when you listen back. So it's a really good way of us sending you information, sending you news, and you can also get in touch with your questions. So all you need to do is give us a WhatsApp message, and the number is plus four four. 7707-776-790. And if you need that again, that's plus four four seven seven zero seven 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 six seven nine zero. Just tell us your name, where you are, and we will get you added to our list. So do join us for our next podcast where again we'll be getting to know one of Africa's best in the world of rugby. And if you'd like to listen again, you can on iTunes, Spotify, or go straight to our website, which is www.planetsport.tv. And on there, you'll see all about our staff, what we're doing here at Planet Sport. And we've also got two other programs, Planet Sport, which is for the all-round sports fan, and Planet Sport Football Africa, which does exactly what it says on the tin. So do go and check those out. But until next time, I'm Lynn Flynn, and you've been listening to the Planet Sport Rugby Podcast, which is a passion for sport production.